right now on how to build a podcast for your brand, how to use a podcast to sell without sounding salesy. And this from a guy who does just that on his own podcast, which has had over 250,000 downloads. Let's go. This is Tim Ferriss. Welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. We're going to talk about house prices. You're online, kid. Go ahead. House prices in Ireland in particular. The Two Johnnies podcast, bringing you all the mayhem and news from the world of the Two Johnnies. Open the pod bay doors, pal. This is Business Wars. The EY Podcast CEO Outlook Series. Pod this one. is the Tommy's Tiernan's choice. Idea. We just go for it. Brace yourself. Go ahead. Absolutely go ahead. It's showtime. Hello and welcome to How to Build a Podcast for Your Brand. My name is Dusty Rhodes and Today, we're helping you with the psychology of selling on a podcast. Is there a proven go-to method for selling, how to be an engaging speaker, and how does one sell without sounding salesy? Joining me is a psychologist, best-selling author, speaker, and podcaster, Owen Fitzpatrick. He's worked with billionaires, Olympic athletes, and huge companies like Google, LinkedIn, Pfizer, and Barclays. He's spoken on stage with such people as Sir Richard Branson and Seth Godin. Oh, my God. And his podcast, Changing Minds, is phenomenally successful. It's been downloaded over over 250,000 times. Uh, tell me first, Owen, about the podcast Changing Minds for people who don't know of it. What is it about? Sure. So Changing Minds is a podcast I started a couple of years ago, Dusty, and it's uh, basically very much around psychology, psychology of change. So psychology of changing the way we think, changing the way we talk to ourselves, um, changing, making an impact on other people. So I have three parts to it. One is solo episodes that I do once a week. Second part, which is interviews with different experts in the field of psychology or business. And then the third part is what I call the work of series. And every other Thursday, I deep dive into some great uh, psychologist or great business experts books um, and, and sort of decode or, or take out some of the best elements of it and sort of give sort of summaries of their work. So there's three different types, but it's all designed to try to help learn to use psychology more to impact the way they communicate, the way they think, and the way they live their life. And how to come across better and to sell the idea or whatever it is that you're talking about, which I want to ask you about more in a moment. Sure. But first, tell me, that's three different types of podcasts that you do, and you do them regularly. Is podcasting what you do professionally, or do you have your professional life and podcasts is a little extra in the evening? Podcast is a little extra. I've done I've done probably a couple of hundred episodes in total now at this stage over the last two years. It is something that I, I've done a lot of because I also feel it helps me as well. It, it I think it builds a better relationship or connection with, you know, listeners and with an audience than any other form of media. Because I really feel you can get into the meat of the matter when, whenever you're talking for, you know, twenty minutes, half an hour, sometimes longer if it's an interview. We're right now in the middle of a hiatus until season three, which is due to come in the next few weeks. And then I'll be straight into that. So to keep it manageable in some sense, what you do is you break the podcast into seasons because a lot of people say you should do one of two things. You should be there every single week so that you're part of a person's life or you can do the seasons. How many programs would you do in a season and how many seasons would you do in a year? So typically uh, probably 50 of solo episodes, 25 of the interviews and 25 of the work of series. So uh, generally there might be like 30 interviews or 30 work of series, depending. Um, and what I tend to do is batch them. So I, I get like a month, maybe a month and a half's content done in one, in one day. So what I'll do is I'll prep the different episodes beforehand, spend one day just solidly recording. Um, and then after my, you know, I heal my brain because it's hard to do eight episodes in a row. 
Um, so after I've done that, then it's just the interviews. So like I do four solo episodes, um, or let's say five solo episodes and three, the work of series. And then whenever the person I'm interviewing, whenever they're free, I go on, we'd record it. Um, and then I, you know, flip it a little bit and get that ready for production. So that's really how I do it. Um, but I like to batch it because I just don't have enough time every week to do it. So I take slots out of my, my week to be able to deep dive and get as much done as possible. And, and that tends to work quite well. Batching is a great philosophy because, as you say, you will record four, five, six, seven, eight podcasts in a go, but then you drip feed them out one at a time per week. And everybody's thinking, he does this every week. And you're going, nah, once a month. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Tell me then about having different series or seasons. If you are running a season for, say, three months and then there's a gap of a month or two months and then you're picking up again, does that affect your numbers? It can do. I mean, the way I like to do it is uh, I don't take a break. I might, I might miss one week, but I'll never miss more than one week in a row if I'm in the middle of a season. I kind of don't let myself do that. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the season, once the, once the season finishes, then what I'll do is I'll take a break. People will know. Um, now, if I don't you know, relaunch it and don't make a deal about it and reach out to my audience on social media a couple of weeks in advance and let people know and make a big hullabaloo, then probably a would lose audience, but the audience that tends to listen, um, most of them subscribe, therefore they, they, get, they get the notification. And most of them follow me on some other channel, whether it be you know in my newsletter that they sign up for my website or it's on social media, Instagram or LinkedIn, whatever. So they already have more than one way to follow me. Therefore, when I do release another episode, they're already primed for it usually because I'll do a trailer. I think I'm relaunching in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to be starting to send out the messages now in the next week or two. So a key then to doing uh, seasons is to make sure that you are connecting with people uh, in as many different ways as you can on their various social media, uh, that they're following you, that you have them on an email list. Um, Can you tell me just a little bit about when you started off about podcasting and how those numbers grew for you and what was your experience? Sure. So, I mean, I I had relatively okay numbers right from the get-go because I have a good bit of following online. And I did, you know, launch the podcast and, you know, made made a bit of a deal about it just to get the word out as much as possible. What I noticed was that there's certain episodes that connected more than others. So what I would do is every week uh, I would check, you know, how many downloads I got. And then there was a few episodes in the first season that took off that I don't know why, but they got way more downloads than everything else. And so I started to look at those and then I started to figure, okay, that's about this topic. And then I did more podcasts on that topic. And sure enough, I got more, um, you know, more traction on those episodes as well. Now, I would never just stick to that topic because I've got too many different things that I want to talk about. And I don't always create podcast episodes based upon what the audience is listening to because I don't just want to attract audience interest and in that. I want to educate the audience and impact the audience in other ways. But certainly when you pay attention to where you get a lot of your um, listening from it, it suggests how people interact and experience your podcast. And the other thing as well is getting feedback. You know, when people write comments and stuff, they they help let you know what you're doing well. Um, And that's really a lot of the reviews. Sometimes you get like, you know, a dodgy review or so, which can be mean, but that's kind of part and parcel of getting a lot of people on. You're always going to get that feedback and you have to then discern, is there some sense to it? Hmm. So there's two types of negative feedback, I think, or constructive feedback. One is um, 
when they just insult you or they just give you very high level feedback. This is rubbish. This is crap or whatever. I've never really gotten it just as blunt as that. And then the other one is um, when they actually point out something specific, right? Mm. You know, like there's too much content, which is something that I have heard before. Uh, you know, there's too much stuff. And like, from my point of view, I don't see why that's a problem, but it is. And therefore, you know, I have to take that feedback and figure out, okay, do I need to adjust it? And so I look for both types. I, I, I look for the second type, but I expect both types. Um, and then also the positive feedback, which is plenty of, which also sometimes it's general, which is just nice for self-esteem. But the other stuff, which is specific, is really helpful because they tell you exactly what they love so much about your podcast, which is what you can keep repeating. So I think that definitely helps, uh, you know, from the early part, keep uh, adjusting your craft because I've tried to get better as I've worked on it. Um, and, and as I've done so, the numbers also tend to get better. How do you solicit that feedback? Every time I'm on um, the, the podcast episode or most of the time, I, I, I will say it myself. I say, would love, you know, any subscribes and please let us know and rate us. So I, I do that call to action at the end of it. Because and at the end of the day, the way I sort of see it is you're providing them with 20 minutes to 40 minutes of really good material. Like I figure these you can ask for and I don't think it's an issue and I don't have an issue whenever I listen to podcasts and they say, please subscribe, uh, please rate and review. Generally speaking, but a lot of people will do it when you just ask straight. And also I have a, sort of an intro and outro and in it mentions it again, but it's kind of almost like you don't even notice it, but mm. it's worth more reminder. And then just to kind of wrap up this side of uh, things on the growth curve, how long was it taking you to see some real increase in, in listeners? You know, it took a, a couple of months. It's been steady and sure, you know, like when it was first launched, got really, really high figures uh, because, again, I promoted it a lot and then it dipped down a little bit, but didn't dip down too much. And then sort of steadily gradually began to start to build up and then stayed at a quite consistent level. I think what happens is, is that some episodes do better than others, but even the worst episode is significantly better than the worst episodes from two years ago or whatever. So I think you don't always know that it doesn't always go. It's not like a straight line. At least it isn't for me. Mm. It's like uh, ups and downs, which, which continuously sort of move up a little bit more. It's like watching the stock market. Exactly. Except, unfortunately, it doesn't provide the same level of income. <laughs> it does go to show, though, you need, do need to be consistent and you need to be kind of in it for the long term because I think over half of the podcasts that are available at the moment have seven or fewer episodes because people kind of did the first four or five and went, oh my God, this is hard. And they gave up. Yeah, You know, you know, I've, I, I, the reason why I didn't give up because... There was many times in that first year, even the second year, I was like, I can't do this anymore. But the thing that kept me going was I make a commitment. And my commitment was 100 episodes. And I would tell everybody, I'm going to get 100 episodes done and then we'll see how we get on. Um, and I made that commitment. And I said that to number, numerous people. And I couldn't go back on it. And then when I did sec season two, I was like, I'm going to get another 100 episodes done. So whenever I make a commitment, it kind of forces me into it, literally boxes me in. And that's not always a good thing in life, but in terms of being productive with the podcast or getting it done, mm. yeah, it worked. Now, one of the most important things when it comes to podcasts is the presenter, the person who's behind the microphone leading the show. And a lot of what makes them successful is charisma, which is something close to your heart. And you've written a book called The Charismatic Edge. Can you give us your definition of charisma? 
Sure. Charisma is uh, an impression you create in the mind of another person. It's a combination of two things. It's authenticity and expressivity. So authenticity means being you more and expressivity means being, being more of you, right? So uh, authenticity is when you listen to someone and you know that they're unique, you know that they're different to anybody else, just by the way they talk, by the stories they tell, uh, by their sense of humor, by all the different aspects of the communication. There's something about them that you can't find in anywhere else. And then the expressivity is that they're expressive. You can feel what they feel. Their stories are a little bit more dramatic, more impactful. When they're talking about something passionate, you can feel the passion oozing off them. Or when they're funny, you can feel the playfulness coming from them. So they express themselves very well. And so when I talk about charisma, that's what I'm talking about. I think everyone is born with natural charisma. It's just along the way, we develop these fears that trap us or stop us from expressing our true selves in a full way, uh, being expressing our authentic selves. So we kind of learn to be able to hide ourselves behind that. And therefore, we develop more sort of stability in monotone accents or monotone voices. We you know, restrict our facial expressions. It's almost like we're hiding ourselves. So what I try to do is help people to be able to tap into who they are, their authenticity, and help them to be able to express that more fully. And as a result, they tend to be able to be more engaging presenters, be more engaging communicators. And for podcasters, it really is critical that you reveal who you are and you also express who you are and you work on your voice tone. So you're not just speaking at one tone the whole time because then people will switch off. Unless, of course, you're doing an you know, insomnia podcast, in which case that works great. <laughs> Do you find then that being authentic and being expressive and actually being more yourself lends well to a podcast where you're trying to sell an idea or sell a product or sell a service? Oh, 100%, because people value authenticity now more than ever. That's a crucial distinction. That's what we're all craving. We, we live in a world which for many years and still in some facets, there's a large amount of fakery going on where people pretend to be something that they're not. People are disingenuous. People are like, all polite to your face. Um, and as Irish people, we have a very strong resistance to people who are pretending to be nice because we're cynical enough to know uh, when someone's too sickly sweet that they're more than likely not being real. So for that reason alone, authenticity is critical for any area. Now, with regards to podcasting, that's where you're talking for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. It's very hard to keep a fake act up for 30, 40 minutes while talking about a topic, while doing an interview. Very hard to do that day, um, week in, week out. And so it's also easier for you to just be yourself. But also from a listener point of view, they want to hear a person. If, if, if you were to tr take your podcast and you were to put a computer voice there, right, and you were just to give the facts and the information, no one would ever listen to your podcast. They don't listen for the information. They listen for your personality. You, the information should be great. The information should be valuable. It should add value to them. And many people will say that's it. But the way you deliver it is critical. And the way you deliver it needs to be authentically from you. And it needs to be engaging and entertaining, which means expressing yourself. I think in many ways, it's quite simple to do a podcast. I find it quite simple to do a podcast where I'm interviewing somebody because there's a bit of bounce and give and take and, and that kind of thing going on. One of the hardest things I think to do, something that you do very successfully with your solo podcast, it's just you talking on your own. Yeah. How do you keep an audience engaged when it's literally just you? Well, I've spent a lot of time on my own. So I talk to myself all the time, a lot of times out loud. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's not as new as you think. And with the COVID times, I actually found 
because I started going online and delivering training um, online. And now that's what I'm doing all the time. Like I've pivoted massively. But one of the things I put it down to is I spent whatever it was, a year and a half before COVID doing this podcast, speaking with no response whatsoever. So whenever I show up, it's, you know, even, you know, even humor or jokes, which I like to, you know, I like to use along the way. Mm. When I was teaching in audiences and speaking, because that's what I've been doing for 20, 25 years, uh, I was used to getting laughter. For the last a year and a half in COVID, you don't, you don't get that. Everyone's on tumbleweed. That's it, tumbleweed. And, you know, some of the stuff I say, sometimes you can see people laughing, but still it's not the same. So, but I've been doing like podcast episodes where I've been uh, joking and there's nothing because it's just me in a room, you know, speaking to myself out loud. But the key is I'm not thinking about the engagement or the interaction. I'm going, what's the value I need? And then I'm really vividly imagining the listener and I'm imagining talking to them. I'm imagining them listening to every word. I'm imagining making them, what I, What can I do to make this uh, more enjoyable along the way? So they're, you know, I'm imagining them in their car, listening to me, you know, in their, in, in their car or listening to me on the train. And as they're driving in, what can make them laugh a little bit? What can make them keep engaged? What can make them go, wow, what can, I'm always thinking about that. So I'm vividly, as soon as I start a podcast episode, I'm imagining that they're listening to me in the car and I'm speaking to them. And as a result, you know, I get to control what they do. I get to control the fact that they laugh at all my jokes, which is great. I get to control the fact that they're listening with rapt attention. There's no distractions whenever it's in my imagination. You know, there's no kids pulling out of them. It's just, you know, me and them. And uh, it's a great place to be, even if it's, you know, not even closely related to reality. When you're doing a podcast for a brand, you obviously have to talk about the brand and you're selling, selling, selling. But how can you balance being authentic and being expressive with the fact that you need to have a lot of salesy type talk and all the sales expressions that go with it? Sure. Well, I think I've built up a relationship with my audience so that they know that whenever I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about it. And they know that whatever I say, it's real. And they also know that I stand behind whatever I'm talking about. They know exactly what I'm doing. I'm not trying to hoodwink anyone. They all know that I specialize in influence and persuasion. So from that point of view, whenever I talk about it, they know the more open I am, actually the better it is because they're no longer thinking, oh, he's using this or, you know, if I drop it in here or drop it in there, which I might do, but again, I'll qualify it all the time because I want them to know there is no games being played here. If you come to my um, episode, now I'm telling you about a product that I think some of you are going to love. You know, there's lots of free stuff. There's 200 episodes here. So you got lots of opportunities to be able to listen to it. For me, I'm more direct that way. Now, when it comes to if you're looking to be able to, let's say, sell products or whatnot, sponsors, right? So we got sponsorships. So what I've noticed works really well is when you put in creative examples, get the podcaster to make it their own, do it in your, in your way. Adam Grant does this really well on his podcast, Work Life. Right. So he talks about some of the corporate sponsors and then he gives a little case study, which is not a million miles removed from the actual podcast he does. What you what you do is you talk about the kind of results that you get to make your point. So let's say, for example, I'm talking about the importance of being entertaining or engaging in in your work, in your presenting work. What I might do is I go a few years ago, I wrote a book called The Charismatic Edge. And in it, one of the most important things I focused on was how to be a more engaging speaker. And what I wanted to do here is just give you an example of that in action. 
So, so my focus is not, hey, by the way, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. My focus is, here's the information, here's the strategies, here's the skills. And by the way, if you want more information, then the book. Let me ask you one final question. And this really is for people who want to present podcasts or if they're looking for a presenter for a podcast, what to look out for. But for people who want to present podcasts, as you say, with the book, The Charismatic Edge, what would you say are the top three tips from that book? Um, Number one, I think you need to work on your voice, vocal variety. And this is really something I learned from Paul Mussolides, who is a dear friend of mine. He's a voice coach on TV shows like Vikings. He's worked with Oscar winners. And Paul taught me years and years ago about the importance of having variety with your pitch, with your pace, with your volume, and using pause effectively. And the brain is tuned to difference. So if you speak in a monotone, people very, very quickly get bored. When you speak in the same rhythm, people very, very quickly get bored. So what you have to be able to do is sometimes you're going to rise your pitch and sometimes you're going to lower it. And you don't want to do it in a predictable way, but you do want to be able to do it so that you're getting more expressivity into your voice. So that's the first thing, work on your vocal variety. The second thing I would say is that always think about it in terms of asking and answering questions. Some of the best podcasts out there are all interviews. If you're doing a solo episode, that doesn't mean that you aren't going to be answering and asking questions. So along the way, when you're structuring your content piece for solo content, start to ask the questions that you know the listener will have over the topic and then respond to it with certain answers. And so once you choose your topic, then break it down into smaller pieces. And it's always asking yourself the question, what value can I give to the listener? What can I teach them that they don't know? What can I inform them of that they're not informed of? How can I impact their life in in 20 minutes, in 10 minutes, in half an hour? And then the third thing I would do as I would make sure the way in which I'm presenting myself, the way in which I'm positioning myself, the stories that I use um, are all designed to be able to do two core things. Number one, make it fun for them, make it fun for the audience. And number two, make sure that I come across the way I want to make sure I'm positioning myself with the kind of qualities that are most important to me. That needs to be authentic. It needs to truly be me, but I need to show them that side of my persona. Because let's face it, we've all got loads of sides of our personality. We've got uh, the, uh, the the type of us when we're pissed off or annoyed. We've got the, the version of us where we're totally relaxed and we're like taking it easy. What you have to figure out is out of all the different sides to yourself, which ones do you want people to know you as? And make sure it's really you um, and share some of your vulnerabilities as well. People want to know the person speaking to them as a human being. They don't want some robot. And sometimes, you know, in the past, I could... You know, I, I've, I've done that. I've because I'm I've read in so much. I've got all this information. I'm literally just and another thing and another thing. Like I'm in total nerd mode. Um, and I think when you when you uh, lose yourself in that nerd mode track, uh, it can turn people off. You know. And so what I think is is much more valuable is to keep the nerd mode because that's part of what you know. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But also let them feel a bit of the humanity. Let them feel a bit of your your real side, where where you're a, a human being that has you know ups and downs. Occasionally, I'll go into little rants, and I let myself do it because I think that makes the podcast more real. You know, mm. when something pisses me off or annoys me, I'm like, all right, I'll lean in a bit. Now, <laughs> that being said, you don't want to do that for more than like 30, 60 seconds because otherwise, you know, if I was truly to let myself rant, well, that could be a whole different podcast with enough material for three episodes a week. So I think number one, uh, vocal variety 
Number two, ask questions and answer them even when you're doing solo episodes. And number three, uh, let people see the real you. Can I just say to the person listening to this podcast, go back four minutes and listen to that last piece again with Owen because that four minutes is a masterclass in how to be an excellent podcast presenter in four minutes flat. Owen, thank you so, so much for sharing with us today. I really do appreciate you giving us our time. If you'd like to find out more about Owen, his website to get directly to him is owenfitzpatrick.com. That's O-W-E-N fitzpatrick.com. And we will have links to the various podcasts and the book and Owen as well in the show notes. If you would like to chat about any of the uh, topics discussed today or about podcasts or if you have any questions at all, you can contact me directly. Hello at dustpod.ie. You can call me on my office phone, which is uh, 01960-9099. But for now, thank you for listening. Talk soon. Open the pod bay doors, pal. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Help. Help.